During this whole series, we are sharing the scriptures as a story, because it is a story. It is our story as we live into it, so we thank you very much. You may recall that we are on the second week of a sermon series on the life of David, and that last week we talked about a young boy whom God chose about 3,000 years ago to be the greatest king of Israel. And remember that God did not look on the outside appearance of David, but rather he looked at his heart. And that is the way God looks at you as well. Friends, would you pray with me? Oh, holy God, we thank you that you don't look on just the outside, but you look within at the very core and center of who we are. And you're looking at us even now. And so I pray that this day you would help us to set aside anything that gets in the way of our hearing your word of truth to us today. Let your spirit be upon us so that when we leave this place, we will feel that we have shared in worship together and feel renewed to go out into this world. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, this week, something very precious happened. Uh, Clark and I bought some plane tickets for a big trip we're going to go on to California in October. That's awesome. The worst part about it is, though, I do not like to fly. I don't like to fly. I'm a nervous flyer. I have to face that giant every time I walk from the gangplank, or whatever it's called, <laughs> onto the airplane. And I have, well, I've talked to many a pilot. I have weaseled my way into the cockpit and asked them, how you feeling today? <laughs> Stay out too late last night, huh? Mm-hmm. Had an EKG lately? Mm-hmm. Since 9-11, it's a little harder. But I have grabbed many a stranger's knee as well on the ascent. My name's Sally. What's your name? I hate to fly. No, I'm not going to be sick. I promise. (laughs) I, I don't like to fly. And with a lot of counseling and the help of some numbing techniques and a lot of prayer, I do get on the airplane. The reason I don't like to fly, I'm fairly certain of this, is because one time Clark and I had a, well, we had to make an emergency landing in Brazil. I don't know. I don't know. It's the middle of the night, and I'm sound asleep, flying over the Amazon, and Clark wakes me up with his eyes, biggest saucers, his oxygen mask on. He's handing me one, and he says, put this on, put this on. Now, I'm noticing that we're going down like this, and the flight attendant over here is hysterically crying. Not very helpful. (laughs) And all I can think about on the way down is, we haven't had any children yet. Who knows what you're going to think about in that moment, right? You never know. But through a lot of prayer, I do get on the flight. Now, I have to confess, about the time I'm taking off and the wheels are going up and we're just airborne, I'm remembering Jesus' promise to be with us always. Of course, in my head, I have the King James Version memorized. Lo! I am with you always. <laughs> and it comes to me every time. <laughs> but I'm confident that God is with us low or high, and God is with you. Now, on the surface, you would think the reason I fear flying is because we had to make this emergency landing. But if I really press that a little bit more, I think I fear flying because I fear being out of control. 
And there's a part of me that fears death. Even though I trust God's promises truly with all my heart, I've never done it before. And so there's a little part of me that's anxious. So today we're going to talk about fear. Perhaps you have a few fears as well. Fear is a great motivator in life. Facing our fears, standing up to the giants that we have to face, takes courage. It takes incredible courage. And as I was thinking about this sermon, I'm grateful to John Buchanan, who reminded me to look at the story of a little girl in New Orleans in 1960 who had the courage to face the incredible giant of segregation and win. Her name you know, is Ruby Bridges. And you may recall this picture of her that Norman Rockwell painted as she is going into the William Franz Elementary School as the first and only black student in that school. She had to go through that crowd of angry adults who were shouting ugly things at her and spitting on her and cursing her and her mother. And four big federal marshals were surrounding her, escorting her. And there she is in that white dress and those pigtails. She's carrying her school book and her ruler as she goes through to face not only that giant of school segregation, but the centuries of racism that are behind it. And Ruby is not that unlike another child that Jess brought up for us, young David, who had to face an incredible giant 3,000 years ago and won. David, like Ruby, understood the power of fear and the dread of the unknown, but somehow from deep within, he was able to face that giant and win. The story of David and Goliath is one that is very well known to many of us. Perhaps is well known to anyone who goes to church and even those who don't go to church. It's such a part of popular culture that at Six Flags, they have a roller coaster named Goliath. Mm -hmm. In fact, the, the tagline at their website says, it's an extreme culture coaster of its kind, providing an adrenaline rush like no other. Hmm. I don't want to get on that one myself, although my, one of my kids told me, Mom, I think you rode that with us a couple of years ago. I don't think I wrote that one. Anyway, some of us remember the story of David and Goliath as perhaps the very earliest story we heard of the underdog prevailing and overcoming the big bad champion. Some of us take note of the very queasy parts of this story. For David, even though he is young, he is well immersed in that barbaric Canaanite culture of the Iron Age where they're just getting iron and making those terrible weapons of war. And perhaps it's a coming-of-age story of sorts for David. Yes, there is incredible violence in this text and in other texts in the, gospel, in the Bible, but that is not going to be the primary focus today. Rather, today, I want us to look at the contrast between fear and faith. You see, as long as the army of Israel was listening to those taunts of, of Goliath and believing them, they were immobilized. They were paralyzed, unable to do anything because they were so fearful. And then comes this young lad, David, who is literally carrying provisions. He's carrying lunch to his older brothers who are fighting on the front lines. And it's there that he meets Goliath. And his size is impressive. And the words that he spoke are arrogant and rude and this is the way um, 
uh, Frederick Buechner describes Goliath. Goliath stood 10 feet tall in his stocking feet. He wore a 20-inch collar, a 9.5-inch hat, and a 52-inch belt. And when he had on his full armor, he looked like a Sherman tank. If you read the text carefully and you do that, that uh, conversion of the shekels, you'll know that the armor he wore weighed almost 150 pounds. And the head of that spear that Jess talked about, the javelin that he would, had to throw, the head of the spear alone weighed 18 pounds. So it's no wonder that the entire army was scared. They were shaken in their boots. They were so fearful. And Goliath comes to the Israeli army and says, I want to fight you. I want to just fight one of you. Come on, a contest of the wills. One-on-one, -on -one. winner takes all. He taunted them, defied the army for 40 days, day after day, coming out there. And so when David comes to the front line and he hears this Philistine's arrogant word, he is dumbfounded. He can't imagine why no one has stood up to to go against this man because he is saying these ugly things about Israel, the Lord's army. And so with his youthful enthusiasm, he volunteers. Now he's an unlikely character to fight the giant. He's a lad, a boy really. But he goes there, not on his own strength, not with his military expertise, but he goes with the confidence of God. He goes knowing in God's protection he knows that God has delivered him from the lion and the bear and other dangers in the past. And he has lived in that reality all his life, that he lives in God's grace. And so he goes forward with confidence. David meets Goliath, not with heavy armor, but with a sling and some stones and the confidence of God's protection. His weapon becomes a weapon of righteousness and he is armed with trust in the God of love and grace who he has lived in his realm all his life. Now, you know, it's easy for us to condemn Saul and the other army guys because, you know, why aren't they having more faith? Why don't they pray a little more to God? What's the issue here? But how many times have you and I done the exact same thing? We think that we can do it all by ourselves. We don't even stop to pray until we're really desperate. Fear, it keeps us from living our lives more fully. When it comes down to it, I think that each one of us has a choice to make. We can choose to stay living in fear. Or we can gather ourselves up and live with the confidence that God is with us in this journey and with us as we face that giant and we can go forward in faith. So down the mountain, David goes. He's got his stones, he's got his sling, he's got his confidence. And the fight is over hardly before it gets started. I mean, it's such a quick thing. All of a sudden, David runs in, he slings one stone, hits Goliath, Goliath falls, the Philistines flee. So what's the story really about. I mean, it's a big build-up, and then it's over. I think one of the things that the story of David and Goliath, why it's in our scripture, one reason is because it is the story of the power of individual courage to face one's fears, and a deep love which expresses itself in commitment. 
courage to face our fears, and a deep love that expresses itself in commitment. Ruby Bridges remembers the day that she had to have courage to go to school. Here's what it says on her site, the Ruby Bridges story. This is what she wrote. The morning of November 14th, federal marshals drove my mother and me the five blocks to William Franz. One of the men explained that when we arrived at the school, two marshals would walk in front of us and two would walk behind us. It reminded me of what Mama said about God, that God is always there to protect us. Ruby now, she said, as she, we pulled up to the new school, don't be afraid. There might be some outrage and upset people outside, but I will be with you. And yes, people shouted and they shook their fist at us when we got out of the car and I held my mother's hand and I followed those marshals up the steps of this my new school the next morning my mother told me that she couldn't go with me the second day that she had to take care of my brother and sister and also had to work but mama said remember if you get afraid say your prayers you can pray to God anytime anywhere and God will always listen and that is how I started praying on the way to school the things people yelled at me they didn't seem to matter much prayer was my protection prayer helped her face the giant before her and she did it with courage now can't you imagine that David is a lot like Ruby as he enters the field there before Goliath. He is weak, he is vulnerable, he is alone, but he goes forward with the confidence of the assurance of his conviction that his cause is right. And he goes forward absolutely sure that he is not alone, that God Almighty is there with him, somehow supporting him, holding him up. Prayer, assurance, faith. That's how any of us get through it, isn't it? We hold on to that courage from God through prayer. Now for me, to help me get through the struggles in my life, I need some accountability partners. I need dear friends who gather around me and I can share my struggles with, I can pray with, I can be vulnerable with, because that gives me courage. That's like God's hand-holding if you will today we're talking about signing up for small groups and new studies that is a place for you to gain courage to face your fears and if you have a small group I hope you'll recommit yourself to that if you don't have one I hope you will talk to Matt or to me or someone about finding one with Ruby we see a six-year-old girl who overcomes centuries of racism and the laws of the state as she walks through that crowd of adults who are spitting at her and cursing at her and saying ugly things all the while this little girl is praying powerful image it took great courage for Ruby to do that it took great courage for her parents to let her do that to go to that school by herself it took great courage for her teacher, Mrs. Henry, to be there every day with her. That whole year, the two of them alone in a classroom, no other students joined them. A solid year. 
They found courage, though, from within, within their hearts. In the Bible, the word heart isn't that gushy, emotional, lovey-dovey hallmark thing that we think of now with heart. Rather, heart is that central part of who you are, where courage resides. That central part of your character, the very core of your being, that's heart. So last week we noted that God does not look on outside appearances, but looks within at the heart when he goes to anoint David. The word courage comes from the Latin word core. And so courage then comes from within, from the heart. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann says that Goliath is a symbol of everything that is fierce and intimidating and makes us feel vulnerable. It is everything that we fear. All the big fears and the not-so-big fears that we need courage to face. Our fear of failure, our fear of unemployment, our fear of loss, our fear of being unattractive, our fear of being alone, our fear of death, our fear of being out of control, our fear of flying. I want to return to that fear of flying and share with you something that really helped me through the years. There was a season in my life when I had to fly quite a bit for the church. I would often do retreats for the denomination. And so at this one point, uh, I was to fly to New York City. It was right after 9-11-2001. I did not want to get on the airplane. And during this season, I had a flight, a flight airline agent, you know, what do you call that? Travel agent, thank you. Her name was Seal Cantor, and she lived in Texas. And I never met Seal, but every time I would do a flight, I would talk to Seal. And so this one day, um, now Seal knew I did not like to fly. So she always put me in the center aisle so I, I didn't have to look out the window. She put me in the aisle so I could get out quickly. I didn't know where I was going to get out to, but I was going to get out. I was able to get out if I needed to. So she knew my fear of flying. And so when this flight came up on September 23rd, and I said, Seal, do you think it's safe? She said, Sally, let me tell you a story. It was the 4th of July, eight years ago, and my 16-year-old daughter, my seven, her 17-year-old boyfriend, and our 14-year-old son left our house to go watch the fireworks at a neighbor's house. And it was a beautiful evening, and as they were headed out, happy as could be, I said, I love you, be careful. And she said, we love you too, Mom, of course we will. And that was the last time I ever saw my daughter alive. You see, that night, there was a freak bolt of lightning that struck her and killed her. And so, Sally, I have learned that we cannot live our lives consumed by fear, waiting for the next bad thing to happen. We have got to live with confidence in a loving God that wants us, wants us to have an abundant life. You cannot live your life in fear. I think God wants more for us. I think you need to buy that ticket and go to New York. I did. I never met Seal. But I am so grateful for the power of her witness in my life. 
confidence to go forward, courage. We need one another sometimes to get on that plane. We need one another sometimes to write that resume or to confront a giant. We need one another in this church. We need our family members and our friends. We are gifted to have this community, and we need to claim what we promise one another. So what are your fears? When is it that Goliath raises his ugly head and makes you feel weak and vulnerable and alone? What do you need when that happens? What do you need from your family or your friends? What do you need from your church family? I think some of us just need to remember how God has been faithful to us in times past when we have been through a difficult time and we survived and we are thriving again. I think that is when we need to count on our friends and say, I'm scared. Will you pray with me? Will you just hold my hand and let me cry until I can get the courage again? And I also think we need to look at David and Ruby and so many others who have gone before us. David certainly had plenty of reason to be scared that day as he faced that giant. And he could have made all kinds of excuses, but he didn't. He claimed a courage that was born of God, and he modeled a courage that no giant could defeat. Friends, God promises to be with us in those difficult places when we are having to face the giant. And courage, then, becomes a way of life living from the heart. We learn that courage is not the absence of fear, but rather it is faith to confront those fears. There are giants in every one of our lives. Some of those are seen, and some of those are not seen. Some of the giants we have had to endure our entire lives, and some of the giants will come and go through the different seasons of our life. But I believe for one who enters the valley armed with the belief that God is who God says he is, that none of us will be defeated. Would you pray with me? Oh, holy God, help us to claim that courage from you. Help us to feel your presence close when we are going through these difficult times. You do promise never to leave us. We believe. Help our unbelief. We believe and we want to go forward with your confidence filling our lives. And we thank you that we can be real with one another when we are challenged and we can encourage one another when we're feeling emboldened to do so. Thank you for this precious community and thank you for the example of David and Ruby and so many others. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.